one of those interesting days that um, we opened with the wrong, or should we say long version, of that piece of music. It's, uh, hey, accidents happen on the network. What the heck? I'm not going to worry about it. I like it. Phil Collins in the air tonight. Or more importantly, because I'm back with you live tonight, I'm on the air tonight. <laughs> Jeff Bennett. On this Valentine's Day. And I still haven't gotten out here to get some flowers for my wife. She uh, works half a day on Wednesday and came home. I mean, I had a whopping two hours sleep last night. Long and bald story I'm not going to bore you with, but I had to be out early this morning to go get some, uh, uh, get the car checked out for renewal of plates, make sure that we didn't have any, you know, issues. And uh, left there, went down to the place that uh, does the service on the vehicle. They had done some adjusting of the driver's seat last week, and one of their people <sighs> sliced a hole in the frickin' seat. And uh, no, not, you know, a couple inches long, but it's on the side, and it's something they're going to have to fix. And uh, my guy said, I'll take care of it. So I went and got something to eat, came back home, passed out. Not for very long. I two and a half, three hours if I'm lucky. And um, pretty much knew what I was going to do program-wise. So we're here, live. And uh, for those of you on the East Coast, that makes it live at five. <laughs> so I got a twisted sense of humor. What do you want? In the words of uh, author Raymond Chandler, and I'll do my best to do a Bogart voice. There's uh, no clean way to make a hundred million bucks. Somewhere along the line, guys got pushed to the wall. Nice little businesses got the ground cut out from under them. Decent people lost their jobs. Big money is big power. And big power gets used wrong. It's the system. The long goodbye... And I look at that, and I read that, and I then have to go take a look at the headlines, what's going on economically. And by the way, I know that most of you who tune in on Wednesdays typically tune in for health-related programming. Given all that I've gone through the last couple of days, I did not have it in me to put one together. But we've got a lot to cover this two hours. Some of the headlines we've got posted for the day, and this is just... This one's probably a week or so old, but we published it under the image of modern slaves are not in chains. They're in debt. Our U.S. lawmakers have warned that the national debt is the greatest threat to the country as it surpassed the $34 trillion indebtedness mark a couple of weeks ago. It's just appalling. A bipartisan group of U.S. lawmakers, including Senator Mitt Romney, so-called Republican of Utah, Joe Manchin, a Democrat of West Virginia, and Representative Bill Huizenga, Republican of Michigan, and Scott Peters, a Democrat of California, 
have all raised an alarm about the escalating national debt of the U.S., deeming it the greatest threat the country's facing. In an opinion piece published recently, the group of lawmakers argued that this burgeoning fiscal challenge is imperiling the future prospects of the American dream, particularly for younger generations who frankly don't really give a damn. I mean, why should they? They've had their school indebtedness wiped out. Of course, they're getting their jobs wiped out because they're all going to illegals. <laughs> it's another story for another day. Well, this commentary came at a time in which the U.S. national debt surpassed that $34 trillion mark after rising by more than $82 billion since less than two months ago. The country's national debt is now above $100,000 per citizen. $264,000 per taxpayer. So a citizen who is not a taxpayer is on the hook for hundred grand, but those of us who pay taxes, we're on the hook for 264000 The official U.S. federal budget deficit now sits at $1.75 trillion. And you expect all this stuff to get paid? Do you expect that we're going to survive? And so then I look at, 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 at a question that gets posted. Why do Americans feel so blue about the economy despite the low unemployment and falling inflation? I, I, I love it when they keep with this low unemployment business. They keep telling it to us. Well, there's a lot of jobs been filled by illegal invaders. Oh, that's a story for another time. So fears over incompetent government, war, and the end of Social Security spooks millions of workers. Americans are still extremely gloomy about the state of the economy, as we should be, and our financial prospects, as we are, despite every indicator rapidly improving. According to who? Unemployment is down just 3.7% and below 4% for two straight years, while the GDP grew 3.1% last year despite recession fears. Even inflation, which peaked above 10% and drove prices of everyday goods to the roof, is now at just over 3% last year. Expected to drop to 2.2% this year. Blah, 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 blah. It's all a bunch of crap. I'm looking, I'm sorry, I'm looking at charts. And they show you how garbage it is. It's 2024. Take a look at what the numbers were in 2019. Oh, it's coming down a little bit. There's more stinking government manipulation going on. It's sickening. We were... Somewhere on 1% in January of 2019. We're sitting there at about 6 or 7% right now. Okay? Don't tell me how much better it's getting. That's the inflation figure. And, but, but don't forget, inflation numbers that they give out doesn't include food. And there's something else that doesn't get included. 
Well, Wells Fargo has been hit by a bombshell lawsuit claiming that its own system flagged a scam, but still gave the customer's life savings to crooks. That was just weeks after a grandmother lost $150,000. What in the hell is going on here? In this case, a Wells Fargo customer was conned out of more than $30,000 by scammers. It's hit the bank with a bombshell lawsuit that claims its anti-fraud security checks are not fit for purpose. Thomas Muir, age 35, had been targeted by crooks posing at Wells Fargo's fraud department who tricked him into handing over his personal information. Well, that's stupid. If the guy fell for that, he's not too bright. So the scammers used that details to impersonate him, gain access to his accounts during a phone call to his bank. They drained his life savings and maxed out his credit card. Oh, jeez. Oh, there'll be there'll be more here. Just just stick around, you know. Well, I uh, last week had to renew the insurance on our two cars. Now we've got four, but there's only two that we have insured with a a, a major company. And the other two are just uh, the one that I drive is liability only. The other one is a car that my daughter stole and she's about ready to lose because I'm not going to continue to do it anymore. She either takes position and ownership of the car and handles it her own. I don't care. I'm done. Different story. So people complaining about insurance is going crazy. The insurance company that we had for the last six months, believe it or not, had been I'd been referred to by Carvana. Uh, six, seven months ago, I was looking at uh, getting rid of one of our cars and getting something different. Glad I didn't. But um, I, I just didn't like the way they wound up doing business. And uh, it was just insane. But I noticed that they had a re- reference to an insurance company called Root. R-O-O-T. And it was a decent price. So we signed up for it. But you got to pay for it all at one time. means whooping out that credit card, baby. And I did. I paid the credit card off right away. I'm not worried about that. So now I'm sitting here looking at complaints of other people. Insurance on their 2012 Mazda went up 72%. Well, like they say, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But the eye-watering auto insurance bill city resident recently received is just one example of the staggering rises in premiums consumers are facing all across this country. In 2018, um, their insurance rate went up 2.3%. 2019, it went up 0.7%. The next year, 2020, it went down 1.6%. 2021, it went up 1.8%. In 2022, it shot up 11.1%. Well, this particular case person had a 2012 Mazda 5. The owner was shocked. His monthly bill from Geico rocketed up from $130 last April to $223 now, a 72% increase in eight months. Guy's got no accidents, no tickets, been with Geico for many years. Perplexed guy told the Wall Street Journal. Now, there's an actress named Marta Cross. I don't know who she is. 
she's having to pay more than $4,000 a year home insurance in Los Angeles. Well, <laughs> well, what the hell? For all too many home and car owners, the insurance market is proving to be perhaps the most brutal battlefront in the cost of living crisis. What are you people dealing with? Are you watching your insurance rates go up that crazy? Look, anything in L.A., I, too bad. I'm sorry. The insanity that's going on in Los Angeles and other places around the country with this 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 influx of illegal invaders who, in many cases, are coming to town, destroying the cities, taking over people's homes, um, I, I can't even get into the whole story because it's so insane. I just keep reading stuff left and right and left and right to the point I want to vomit. Well, there's people think the insurers are profiteering, but they've got a couple of interesting challenges. More natural disasters and rampant inflation, and let's not even talk about what we just mentioned. Robberies. Theft. The insanity of what we are facing in this country. People, it ain't good. We, you and I, are having to pay the price for what is being allowed to happen in this country. Now, here's another another banking situation. You've got to watch carefully with your banks. Be damn careful who you're talking to. I won't talk to these people on the phone. I've got a local branch that I go to. It's a small branch. It doesn't have a drive-thru. I know every person that works in that bank. I will walk in there. It, it's less than five minutes away from my home. I will go in there and talk with them. I ain't playing the game on the phone. So here's a woman in Oklahoma deposited $13,500 into her account, but the money never showed up. Simple. Nothing quite stirs a small business owner's financial anxiety like money vanishing into thin air, right? So here's Carla Garling, a physical therapist with a private practice in Norman, Oklahoma. Her $13,500 check deposit failed to show up in her Chase Bank account in January, leaving her scrambling to pay her employees and bills. Trying to be patient, she said. I'm trying to be kind about it, but I've got bills to pay. For a small business like mine, it could be detrimental really quick. The bank staff allegedly told her that they didn't know if or when the money would land in her account, even though she had a deposit slip showing proof of the transaction. And this happened in what, January? And and, and, and now we're entering the second half of February and they still can't find the money? <sighs> Something ain't right, folks. Oh, and then, of course, there's uh, High Yield. Uh, that's Janet Yellen. She's warning us that high prices could be here to stay. Inflation coming down faster than most economists expected, but Americans hoping for a widespread drop in prices may be disappointed. That's according to Janet Yellen. And every time she opens her mouth, I just want to yell. 
So she's testifying before the Senate Banking Committee last Thursday. She admitted that prices for most items are unlikely to return to where they were before the inflation crisis began in 2021. I don't expect the level of prices to go down. Some prices will be higher than they were before the pandemic and will stay higher. She shared this commentary during a contentious exchange with Senator John Kennedy, the Republican from Louisiana. But she says, oh, but, 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 but wages have risen considerably and the pace of price increases has now receded over the past six months. I'm not finding that happening. Prices for everything, including groceries, new cars, health insurance, all surged in 2021 and 2022 as a result of rampant inflation, which was caused by pandemic-induced disruptions in the global supply chain. chain. An extremely tight labor market, increased consumer demand, fueled in part by something called stimulus cash. Uh-oh. Here's another one. Joshua Capps out of Alabama. He's been hit hard by the ordeal, fighting to get the funds reimbursed. What, 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 what's his ordeal? He's a business owner. He's lost $172,000 from his bank account. He revealed that his iPhone had been hacked and fraudsters were able to access his notes app where he stored his bank passwords. Well, then he's a damned idiot. I'm not storing nothing in my cell phone. Period. Now, he banks at Regions Bank. Sent verification codes to his number, which meant that they were in the hands of the scammers. An FBI probe traced the fraudster back to Arizona, which was found that they had deposited the stolen funds into three banks, including Chase and Wells Fargo. (laughs) Oh, Chase is big trouble. Came across this cartoon comic. Bunch of people standing in line at the Bank of USA whole bunch of people in line. And standing there at the front is Joey. In line to open an account? Rest assured, the Biden administration monitors your banking activity here 24-7. And the one woman looks at Joey and says, we know. We're all in line to close our accounts. Getting kind of spooky, isn't it, my friends? Getting kind of spooky. I don't need that. Get out of here with that. I don't need that one either. Trying to shut stuff down. Here's something else. The Federal Reserve. Oh, yeah. The Fed claims that the banking system is sound and resilient. The bank's balance sheet says completely otherwise. The wordsmiths at the Fed wisely omitted the line about a sound and resilient banking system in its statement on January 31st, two weeks ago. The same day, shares of New York Community Bank plunged when the bank announced a loss of 36 cents per share when analysts expected earnings of 27 cents a share for the fourth quarter. Isn't this interesting? Isn't this interesting? 
Internal or external auditors occasionally comb through individual loans in a bank's portfolio, make judgments as to whether those loans are worth what the bank says they are worth due to lower appraised values and other issues, either particular to an individual property or the market as a whole. Bankers then begrudgingly set aside earnings for potential loan losses. Now, in the case of the real estate loans at New York Community Bank, loan examiners must have told senior management to increase the bank's loan loss provision by 790% to $552 million. And that balance sheet expense drove the fourth quarter loss and caused the bank to cut its dividend. Oh, so a way to screw with people, huh? <laughs> well, the bank reported a near $2 billion increase and criticized multifamily loans debt with a probability of default of its $37 billion multifamily loan book, which comprises 44% of its total portfolio. 8% was marked criticized in the quarter. And the bank also reported a $42 million net charge-off debt, unlikely to ever be paid back. And that was all for an office loan on which the borrower stopped paying interest. My friends, these stories go on and on and on. It's unbelievable. Looking at pieces on the New York Community Bank, We've got some involvement with the Azora Bank. It's a U.S. Tokyo-based bank. They claim their losses in their U.S. offices loan portfolio will likely lead to a net loss for the year ending in March. Private Swiss bank Julius Baer took a roughly $700 million provision on loans made to Austrian property landlord Signa Group. The bank said shutting down the unit was what made the loans. And the chief executive has resigned. We could name more banks. It's unreal. It is pure insanity. While bankers and regulators have their heads in their sand, the contraction in this nation has begun because there's stress aplenty in the banking world. Murray Rothbard once wrote in The Mystery of Banking, fractional reserve bank credit expansion is always shaky. But the more extensive its inflationary creation of new money, and the more likely it will be to suffer contraction and subsequent deflation. Is any of this going to end? I don't think it's going to, people. The greedy have become greedier, and you and I pay for it. Absolutely. Go for it. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back. I'm going to share with you a little interesting story about what's in the future that they have planned for us. Stick around, won't you?
handle the truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. I'm so excited to have you as part of the Wild Pastures family, and we look forward to bringing you the pasture-raised meats that you and your family will love. Now, we started Wild Pastures because so many of my clients would tell me they just couldn't find high-quality pasture-raised meats, and even when they did, it was so expensive that they couldn't afford to eat it regularly. Now, I'm not talking about the bottom-of-the-barrel healthy meats that have claims like natural or free-range. Consider this. Dead people see only what they want to see. And frankly, most of us are still dead. Let me give you the lessons of gold and five easy lessons. Number one, don't buy it because you need to make money. You buy gold because you need to protect the money you already have. Don't ever look at the price as a barrier. Look at it as an incentive. Number three, don't buy its paper pretenders. We talked about that a lot. Buy gold. Buy the real thing in the form of coins and bullion. Fourth, don't fall prey to glitzy television or Facebook ads. Do your due diligence instead. And that's what I try to provide you with and have for 26 and a half years on the air and 30 years in this profession. Fifth, don't allow naysayers to divert your interest. Allow yourself the right to protect your interests as you see fit. Jeff Bennett here. One of the ways you can do that is to contact Kettle Moraine Limited. Contact me by calling or texting me at 602-799-8214. 602-799-8214. You can also email me at KettleMoraineLTD at Cox.net. Let me help you protect your wealth and your family today. Once again, call or text us at 602-799-8214 or visit our website, SierraMadrePreciousMetals.com. Be glad to help you out. Be glad to answer your questions. That's what we're here for. No pressure. Just good, hard, common sense. The decision then becomes up to you. I'm so excited to have you as part of the Wild Pastures family, and we look forward to bringing you the pasture's needs. I'll tell you what, the headlines just keep coming my way, some of which we're going to share with you next hour. For those of you who care, Congress has finally gotten together and decided to impeach Mayorkas. Of course, it doesn't matter what happens if if both houses of Congress, the Senate and the, and the House, decide to come to an agreement with it. All Joey's got to do is override it refuse to sign it 
This is just sickening. Absolutely sickening. This guy's got to go. And um, the number of Chinese that are invading the country now, there were uh, 322 arrests of Chinese immigrant invaders over the weekend. Let's see. Texas is lightening up. They're not having so many people trying to immigrate over there. But, oh, son of a gun, they're all coming to Arizona. And, of course, San Diego. Arizona has finally decided enough is enough. We're going to start building non-climbable walls. Sickening. Just sickening. What can you do? We sit there looking at the future. You take a look at what's going on in the real estate market. Take a look at the value of our homes. And the problem is who's going to be able to afford them? You know, my wife and I bought this house 19 years ago in July. We moved in this place. We paid a couple of thousand dollars more than what the asking price was. And there's a reason for that. We were... I was looking the house over with our realtors. My wife was working. There were very few houses available for sale at that point in time. We'd sold our other house. And uh, I think we paid three, I don't know, 302, 314, 34, I, I can't remember, 3,000, whatever, 300,000. And because while I was here at the house, the people's phone kept ringing. They still had a live phone with an answering machine. And they were keep getting calls from all these realtors about I got I want to show your house I want to show your house, so I decided to bump our offer two thousand bucks we got the deal, mistake but we bought it you know, and I keep getting notifications from you know one of the people that does a lot of business here that uh, they claim our home is currently worth about five twelve so roughly you know. Um, $200,000 more than we paid for it. I'd like to get out of here. They're building so many little miniature homes around here, all of which are for rent. They're not for sale. And I don't know where the hell you park. You don't get a garage. You get a parking space, It's which means you've got storage issues. And it goes on and on and on. And I'm looking at this marvelous piece of writing from Michael Snyder the other day telling us that we will live in tiny little homes and electric vehicles and we'll be happy. Because this is the future they've got planned for us. He says, in recent years, van life, car life, tiny homes have all become extremely hot topics on social media. Millennials and Generation X have been particularly eager to try out these minimalist lifestyles. Is at a time when home prices have risen to absurd levels and the cost of living has become exceedingly oppressive, it can be very tempting to adopt a low-cost way of life. But it's also important to understand that the elite are very much encouraging these trends. If they could get most of us happily living in tiny homes and electric vehicles, they would be very pleased. You see, the truth is that the smaller our living spaces are, the less carbon emissions we will produce. And that is precisely what they want. Because today we've reached a point that millions of Americans can no longer afford to purchase normal homes. And so more of us are than ever are turning to tiny homes 
but a tiny home can be anywhere from 100 to 400 square feet. Can you believe that? Airbnb has got thousands of those kind of listings. We still got music running in the background, huh? I can hear it. I mean, it's very soft, but it's there. It's been reported that 55% of tiny homeowners are women. 56% of all Americans say they would actually consider living in a tiny home. 400 feet? I got a bathroom that's almost bigger than that. The biggest appeal of living in a tiny home is the cost. It's been estimated that the average cost of a tiny home is just $52,000, and that's 87% cheaper than the average price of a typical U.S. homes. Oh, yeah, 52000 bucks. The problem is you can't buy those places in Arizona because they're renting them out at, what, 2500 a month? You get a three-bedroom apartment here in Phoenix, in the Phoenix area. My God, it's running $2,000 a month, plus your utilities, et cetera, et cetera, you know. So if you're very stressed financially, we can definitely understand why such an option would seem appealing. Certainly not easy to live a typical middle-class lifestyle in today's world. One woman who now lives in a 300-square-foot home made from straw bales and cobs says that her life looks radically different compared to when her family was living in a large four-bedroom home. She said, 10 years ago, I was living a typical suburban life on the outskirts of Denver. My husband, Casey, and I were both teachers. We live in a four-bedroom house with a small yard where our two kids like to play. Today, our life looks radically different. We live entirely off the grid in a 300-square-foot home that we built from straw bales and cob. Cob, what's that, corn on the... A natural building material made from soil, water, other organic material. We rely on solar power for electricity, rain collection for water, and we use a drop toilet to create humanure. That's compost made from human waste. You know, poop. If that's what makes the woman happy, good for her, but don't let the elite push you into such a lifestyle. Because the elite has been promoting this concept of tiny homes for a long time. For example, the following comes from the official website of the WEF. They claim that interest is surging in tiny homes. Livable dwelling units are typically measured under 400 square feet. Much of this interest is driven by media coverage that claims that living in tiny homes is good for the planet. The reason why they love tiny homes so much is because they believe that they're good for the environment. But in fact, the same article claims that for those who moved into tiny homes, ecological footprints were reduced by about 45% on the average. Of course, then there's something called van life. Another lifestyle become extremely trendy in recent years. You know, there's a time that people look down on those that live in a van down by the river, but now literally millions of Americans are doing it. Van life or van living is a term that's becoming more popular around the country. People packing up their lives, moving into a mobile unit and exploring the states. Whereas according to Yahoo Finance, the number of American van lifers has increased by 63% over the last couple of years, going from 1.9 million in 2020 to 3.1 million in 2022. Of course, needless to say, not having a mortgage or a rent payment is a big plus. But there are some interesting negatives. 
one woman regularly using public restrooms is something she just couldn't get over when she tried van life. She said, I pulled into a Shell gas station in my rented Ram Pro Master camper van. Oh, rented. Okay. Once parked, she headed into the convenience store, beeline to the bathroom. Inside, there was an impossible-to-describe stench. Toilet paper covered the restroom floor. Pee covered the toilet seat. And I used the bathroom as fast as humanly possible. Yeah, well, I couldn't blame her. My God, you'd be better off to go out there behind a tree out in the woods somewhere. Most public restrooms along our major highways are simply disgusting. And as the number of Americans living in their vans has multiplied, many communities have grown tired of them. Take a look at the city of St. Petersburg. They're working to erase so-called eyesores downtown. Last Thursday afternoon, city leaders would take a closer look at van life and where drivers could set up camp. And all of that comes after many complaints came into the city from residents within the city limits who say that oversized RVs, large buses, and conversion vans are taking up too much space for far too long. But unfortunately, as economic conditions deteriorate, more Americans than ever will be choosing to live in their vehicles. In fact, car life is now being hailed by many on social media as an even cheaper alternative to van life. There's a guy on YouTube named Michael Hickey, likely kicked out of his parents' basement. He built a bed in his 2009 Kia Rio, said the option allowed him to live rent-free and travel the country. In the video, he said the best parking lots to sleep on are ones owned by Cracker Barrel restaurants. He purchases groceries from supermarkets, prepares them right there in the parking lot, on a portable stove. As for showering, he uses a network of Planet Fitness gyms to exercise and shower. To make money, he works side gigs such as DoorDash and Instacart. Oh, he's not alone. Tons of other Gen Zers post their stories of living in cars on YouTube. My friends, did you ever imagine that we would see a day when being homeless and living in our vehicle would be considered trendy? But this is where we're at. Millions of those at the bottom of the economic food chain are trying to make the best of a very bad situation. But unfortunately, life in America is going to become a lot more harsh during the very painful years that are ahead, my friends. And so what will young people start doing once van life and car life become too expensive? There's only one more step down. And that's living in the streets. And my friends, there are so many that are doing it. There are veterans living in the streets in this country. There are illegal invaders that are living in the streets from one end of this country to the next. They're up in Portland, Oregon. They're up in Seattle. They're in Phoenix and Tucson and Flagstaff, Arizona. They're in Chicago. They're in New York. They're in Texas. You name the state and they're there. And they're not just from South America. Yes, they're from China. 
Yes, they're from Africa. Yes, they're from some from India. Some from other regions of the world that we would be best not having here. And they're living in the streets or they're taking over old hotels or motels. Or they're breaking into, let's call it seasonal homes. Homes that are owned by real people that make the mortgage payments that might only live in those homes half the year. And they come home to find out that their own home has been invaded and is being destroyed and is being robbed. Good God. I have a question. Several days ago, I came across a very interesting article that once in a while I would draw to for reasons I think you'll very quickly understand. The article is entitled, What Would JFK Think? (laughs) Well, one of the first things other than the title that attracted me was the image. It's an image of a fast food restaurant. Their menu up above, I don't know what it is. Couldn't tell you what it is. American flag hanging there in the background. Garbage, trash all over the floor of this restaurant. People standing in line. A few whites, mostly blacks and Hispanics. Shaking their hands, screaming, yelling. And quietly sitting at the front of the eating area. Oh, I can see it's McDonald's. That's what it's supposed to be, is McDonald's. And there's a picture of a man holding a plastic cup, probably with soda in it, with a straw sticking. Well, it's a McDonald's cup. Well, that's JFK. Sitting in McDonald's watching this yelling and screaming in this insanity. Well, it's a piece of art known as a meme. And this meme perfectly captures the downfall of a once thriving nation before the deep state CIA murdered John F. Kennedy, ushering in the welfare, warfare state built on debt, consumerism, egotism, technological distraction. The image is sad to look at. It's deeply disturbing, but quite accurate. But the ongoing degradation and decay are a consequence of a nation turning its back on personal responsibility and service to community is reflected in JFK's viewpoint of ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. But then LBJ's great society encouraged the destruction of the family, particularly black families, while setting in motion the accumulation of current and unfunded welfare debts. What can your politicians give you to buy your vote? 
the selling of feminism to females further destroyed the traditional family and has resulted in the state raising our kids in their indoctrination centers to the detriment of our entire society. And the credit card was introduced in the late 1960s and it has enslaved generations in unpayable high interest debt as citizens devolved into consumers through propaganda spewed incessantly by the mainstream media, convincing the masses to keep up with the Joneses by buying today and paying tomorrow. The masses have been programmed to buy fast food, liquor, smokes, etc., using your credit cards. And Americans now owe more than $1 trillion, and delinquencies are currently soaring. And an enormous percentage of Americans have no ability nor desire to defer gratification by saving for what they need or want. And yet during JFK's presidency, Americans were forced to defer gratification. And in today's bizarro world, JFK's political positions would classify him as a far-right demagogue by the now far-left media. And the Wall Street cabal and their puppets at the Federal Reserve promoted and encouraged the financialization of the world, resulting in a debt-enslaved class and a debt-enriched class. And the printing of fiat, that's federal-issued debt, has allowed politicians to wave endless wars, wage endless wars and deficits spend to infinity, create inflation to benefit themselves, enrich the bankers and billionaires pulling the strings of society. And the gap between the haves and the have-nots has never been greater. And as millions of lawless, diverse savages swarm across our southern border, the diverse savages already occupying our urban shithole cities, storming and looting the fast food joints and few remaining retail outlets, corrupt politicians militarizing the judicial system, rigging the elections, provoking and funding wars around the globe, and accelerating the nation's spiral towards bankruptcy and an apathetic, dumbed-down, sickly, obese, indoctrinated, eye-gadget, distracted public sits back and allows it all to happen. Our nation in no way resembles the nation of November the 22nd, 1963, when they murdered JFK. We will never return to Camelot. If I'd thought about it earlier, I think I'd have carefully chosen a closing piece of music for this hour. Camelot. Or I think of Richard, what's his name, singing that song. Not Robert Goulet. Camelot. Life is changed any good it's not good at all I don't care for the direction 
but it's gone. I look at headlines like you can't believe. Something came to me a number of hours ago, either that or I was dreaming, that there has been a strong suggestion that Kamala Harris take over the White House. And the reason being is Biden more and more is showing just how brain dead he's become. I cannot find that. I think they're trying to bury it right now. And yet we do see references to similar things. It's not good, people. It's not good. Here's an article by Emily Griffin. Emmy Griffin. Kamala is ready. But America isn't because VP Harris has not stepped up to the plate where it matters. I'm not sure she could. Unbelievable. Oh, she's seen practicing her presidential cackle. <laughs> oh, remember those prices we gave you earlier? Here's the reality. Food prices are up 21%. Rent is up 19.4%. And electricity is up 28.6% since Biden took office. So don't give me this crap about how good we're doing. I'm tired of the jive. Because that's all they're giving us is jive. And you know my favorite words. But I used an alternate already once. So I won't use the expanded version. Even though I like it better. <laughs> It's unreal. Well, I don't know what we're closing with for this hour. But stick around for the second hour. And um, we're going to somewhat pick up where we left off, but not from an economic standpoint. Moving in some other directions. Stay with us. We'll be back. is my heart and there we are swearing to love forever and promising never never to part what moments divine what rapture serene till clouds came along to disperse the joys we had tasted and now when i hear people curse the chance that was wasted i know but too well what they mean so don't
you say if I told you we have a new tool that will increase production and lower maintenance costs for your meat processing company, and it would pay for itself in just six weeks? When pigs fly! The new Ease-Off Model EZ4 replaces old spring-style carcass droppers and is faster, safer, and more reliable. The Ease-Off lowers or lifts 1,000 pounds to or from your rail automatically using our remote control. Sounds expensive! Can I afford it? Can you afford not to try the Ease-Off? It installs fast with just three bolts in place of your current dropper. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue and injuries, speed up your line, eliminate downtime, and increase profit. How can I order my EaseOff? Go to EaseOff.com, E-A-Z-E-O-F-F.com, and hurry, because we are offering $200 off on the new Easy 4 for a limited time. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC. Summersville, Missouri. 417-932-6419. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Truth, truth, truth.